You're listening to a sermon from Darabin Presbyterian Church. Visit us online for more resources or to get in touch. So it's John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realise that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us? and not to the world. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what the Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Thanks, Tracy. G'day, everyone. Uh, my name's Stu. Uh, I've been at Darabin for a few years. Um, it's great to have you along today. Uh, I'm going to pray because we all need help. It's a huge passage for us to look at, so let's pray. Uh, Father, be with us as we look at uh, Jesus' words to us. Convince us more that you love us. Amen. Uh, so I've got a big question for everyone today. Might be a bit vague. Um, are you living as an orphan? Are you living as an orphan? That's the question I think Jesus is addressing in the passage. Are you living as an orphan? I think often we do. I do. What does living like an orphan look like? What characterises it? Uh, it's where you're in a constant state of anxiety about where you measure up where you feel helpless. 
You feel abandoned and left alone. You sort of feel like a, a loose end with no home. You're never sure whether you're loved or not. You feel troubled in heart. An orphan lives off their own resources. It's all up to me. You've got to double down on your efforts and you're constantly proving yourself. Many things make us live as orphans. I think crisis is one of those things. Crisis makes us live as orphans. We conclude when we've been hit by a crisis in our lives that God has abandoned us and that he's left us to figure it all out on our own. Or we think that maybe he just wasn't there in the first place. And I think this is true for Sharon and I. Sharon's my wife. Uh, In many ways, the past 12 months have been probably the most relationally turbulent year we've faced together. Uh, We face family troubles, uh, friends going through painful experiences. Church has been been hard at times. Uh, Sharon and I are becoming parents to Edward. Um, We've had to navigate the, the rising tensions in the house. Sometimes we've wondered where God's been in all of that. We've tried to figure things out on our own. We've ended up feeling helpless and without answers. We felt the pressure to sort of figure it all out. In the past 12 months, often we've, we've acted like orphans. We've lived like orphans. And I think this, is, uh, this gets at how the disciples are feeling generally in this sort of chunk of John's gospel, chapters 13 to 17, and particularly in this chapter in chapter 14. They're feeling abandoned. They're feeling like orphans. The disciples are in the greatest crisis of their lives. Their world is going to be turned upside down. Why? Because Jesus, the one whom they've been following for three years, is leaving them. Their hearts are troubled. They're asking questions. They want to to go where Jesus is going, but Jesus says they can't. They're confused. They don't understand why Jesus needs to leave them. And Jesus, in his leaving, isn't just like a boss retiring from a workplace or a captain stepping down from a sports team. Look at verse 18. What's Jesus leaving them, leaving them feel like? It is more like a parent abandoning a child. That's how deep the disciples' anguish is. The disciples feel like they're going to be abandoned. They feel as though they'll be left as orphans. They're wondering if it's all over to them now. Uh, The Jesus movement is all on their shoulders. It's the crisis of their lives. They're confused. They're asking questions. Why does it have to be this way, Jesus? So what does Jesus say to his followers in the crisis of their lives when they feel like they're being abandoned by him? Does he simply say, it's up to you now, guys, I've gotten you this far. It's over to you to keep my movement, go- my movement going. Roll up your sleeves. It's all on your shoulders. Get your best ministry strategy out. Start planning. Start pushing. See you in heaven. Does Jesus say that? No, Jesus says, no, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not abandon you. Life is not yours to figure out on your own. 
Your crisis is not yours to deal with alone. I am sharing with you all I have on offer. My spirit, my father, my place in the family, my peace. And that is exactly what you need. It is enough for you. And this is what we need to hear, the words of Jesus. In the midst of our messy lives, in the midst even of our greatest crisis, which I know that uh, some of us are going through right now, the words of Jesus in verse 18 need to ring in our ears, I will not leave you as orphans. Jesus sees his need, uh, the need of his followers so plainly and so he promises to meet them in every need that they have. Do you see throughout the whole passage uh, today that all, uh, all the things that Jesus will do for his followers, it's everywhere in this passage. And then look at all the things that the Father and the Spirit will do for his followers. This is the Jesus we know supplying in our need it's everywhere abundant supply for our endless need and what's the one thing that he will not do verse 18 again he will not leave us as orphans he will not leave us in a state of panic abandonment fear trouble he will come to us so i've broken up the the passage today with I originally did four points, uh, but I'm just going to run with three. So I don't want just if you're looking at the online welcome card, I'm just not going to do the last one. Um, so um, the three points are, are the ways in which Jesus comes to us and what he shares with us. So firstly, he shares his spirit because we need help. Secondly, he shares his father because we need a home. And thirdly, he shares with us his peace because we're troubled. He shares with us everything he has to offer to meet us in our every need. Uh, So let's let's look at the first first point, Uh, looking at verses 15 to 18, roughly. Uh, The first point, Jesus gives us his spirit because we need help. So look at the first, first few verses. Verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments... And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So what's Jesus saying? Verse 15, for those who are in in an ongoing, loving relationship with Jesus, What does Jesus do? He gives his own personal presence. He asks his Father and his Father sends the Spirit. Verse 16. Now for the disciples, uh, this would only take place after Jesus has left them, after he's been glorified on the cross and then risen. But for us today, there's no waiting for the Spirit. We already have him if we're in Christ today. So who is the Spirit? Well, Jesus describes him as an advocate, and that word that's translated as advocate is a tricky word. It's loaded with meaning, and the English sort of never fully conveys um, what the Greek word's getting at. Some translations say helper, some say comforter. Advocate is fine, 
but it might be um, a little bit cold and distant to our ears. Um, I listened to a sermon earlier this week and Tim Keller, Uncle Tim, uh, he suggests friend. And that, I think, links up really well with uh, Rosie's kids' talk, a friend like Nadia, the friend, uh, and I think the language of friend is helpful. So what kind of friend is this spirit? Uh, He's a friend or advocate with the very same heart towards us as Jesus does. He doesn't have his own agenda separate to Jesus. He's the spirit of truth, verse 17. And we've, we've read last week, Jesus is the truth. In verse 6, chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you look down to verse 26 of our passage today, the Spirit reminds his followers of what Jesus has said. And so closely does Jesus identify with the Spirit that he says he will come uh, to us himself. Verse 18, I am coming to you. That's the Spirit coming. So Jesus says, effectively, my physical leaving is not the end of the relationship. I will still be with you by my spirit. So that's who the spirit is. What does this spirit of truth do? What does this friend do? Well, like any good friend, he argues with us. He pushes back on us when our thinking goes astray. My best friend is Sharon, my wife, and on a bad day, uh, I often lack confidence and descend into really unhelpful self-deprecation. I beat myself up, I think I'm dumb, I wonder why anyone gives me any time ever. So what do I need at that moment? I need a friend to tell me the truth. I need Sharon to, to tell me to stop talking about myself, to stop focusing on myself to tell me that she loves me uh, and that she's not going anywhere and that her love for me is not dependent on what I do or don't do. She's in it for the long haul. That's what the Spirit does. He's in it, Jesus is in it for the long haul too. He is with us forever, verse 16. He will be with you forever. The Spirit argues with us. The Spirit pushes back on us. He argues with us about the truth of Jesus, who he is and what he's done. The Spirit is the friend who shines the spotlight on Jesus, his words and his life. So if we ever find ourselves thinking that Jesus is wonderful, if we ever find ourselves drawn to Jesus' life and words, then you know the Spirit is at work in your life. The Spirit doesn't point to himself and his own work. He points to Jesus and his work. So the Spirit teaches us about who Jesus is. The Spirit also argues with us about the truth of us, about who we are, who we are in Christ, that we're not orphans, that we're loved and not abandoned. He's a friend who argues with us, who reminds us of the gospel that on the one hand, we're deeply flawed, we're sinful and weak, but on the other hand, that we're deeply loved and accepted children of God, not orphans. And I think uh, uh, Romans 8, verse 16 and 17, helps fill out the picture of what the Spirit does. 
Romans 8, 16 to 17. I've got it here. I'll just read it out. Uh, it says, what does the Spirit do? The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Now, if we're God's children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, not orphans. We need this. We need this helping presence of the Spirit, don't we? Because we live like orphans. We forget who we are. We forget that we're children in uh, in God's family. We forget how deeply loved we are. We need the Spirit to argue with us and to point us to the reality of who we are in Christ. We're completely helpless and we're in a world full of so many voices telling us who we are. And what hope would we have in that in this world without the work of the Spirit? When crisis hits us hard, what hope would we have without the Spirit's gentle assurance that we're more loved in Christ than we can even imagine? Are you living as an orphan? Jesus has not left you as an orphan. He gives you his spirit. So that's the, that's the first thing uh, that comes out in the passage. Second thing is uh, Jesus shares with us his father because we need a home. So this is coming from verses 19 to 24. So here's the magnitude of what it means that Jesus gives us his spirit. It doesn't just mean that um, the spirit alone comes to help us out every now and then. It means far more than that. Jesus says in verse 19 that uh, he's not going to be seen by the world, i.e. he's going away and he's going to die, but then they, the disciples, will see him after he's been raised. He says in verse 20, in that day you'll know what? That I'm in my Father and that you are in me and I am in you. When the Spirit comes after Jesus has died and risen, it means that the triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, takes up his residence within Jesus' followers. Verses 20 to 21 says that just as the Son lives in the Father, so we live in the Son and the Son lives in us. And as we love the Son, we experience the love of the Father and the Son. We're caught up in the triune life of love. And again, after Philip's question in verse 22, Jesus says in verse 23 that both the Father and the Son make their home within us. The Father and the Son, through the Spirit, make their home within us. Last week, Pete spoke about uh, us moving into God's home. This week is about God making his home within us. Through the indwelling of the Spirit, the Father and the Son make their home in us. They become real to us. This life of love that the trying God has always experienced within himself, his Father, Son and Spirit, comes to land in us. 
causing us to live a life of love ourselves. Now, why do I say all this? Why is this important? Because we need it. Because we need a home. There are so many areas in our lives where we don't feel at home. The disciples didn't feel at home uh, in the world, especially now that Jesus is leaving. But there's so many areas in our lives where we don't feel at home. Some of us don't feel at home in our place of work. Some of us don't feel at home in our families. Some of us don't feel at home in our own head. Some of us don't feel at home in our own bodies. Sometimes some of us don't feel at home in our own church. So isn't it good news that the triune God comes and makes his home within us? A God of such nearness to us that he makes his home within us. How hospitable is this God? Far from a distant and aloof God who leaves his creatures to figure life out all on their own, the triune God of the Bible stoops all the way down in Jesus and in dying and rising in our places, unites us to his Father through his Spirit. That's the gospel. Jesus is sharing with us all he has, not simply us becoming forgiven sinners, while that's true, but us becoming adopted children in the family of the triune God. We have a home. When we go through our daily lives, we are indwelt. If we're, if we're in Christ, we are indwelt by the triune God of grace. The truest thing about us is not our circumstances, as, as painful as they, they often are, but the truest thing about us is that we're in God's family. He resides in us. Jesus shares everything with us. His Father is our Father. His Spirit is our Spirit. His place in the family is our place in the family. You belong. You have a home. You are not an orphan. And we live in a world that tells us to live as orphans. The world around us tells us to settle for shallow relationships over the deep, loving, eternal relationship with the trying God. We live in a, a technologically progressive uh, but socially regressive society. There's great technology out there that's connecting us, but it's socially regressive. We trade off uh, socialising for using social media, social media. We can eat our food without ever engaging in hospitality with Uber Eats. We can get our entertainment fix of sport or music through our streaming services rather than attending events or joining clubs and meeting people. The porn industry means intimacy is completely lost and that sex is uh, all about just satisfying some physiological hunger. Shallow, empty. This is not the life that Jesus offers. In contrast, Jesus, in Jesus we experience such a nearness, such an intimacy 
such safety. He makes his home within us. The trying God of the Bible has welcomed us, welcomed us into his family. We're no longer orphans. Is the joy of being in this family real to you? It's what Jesus promised his disciples in John 14 and it's what he's offering us too. Are you living as an orphan? Jesus has not left you as an orphan. He's shared with us his father. And we move on to our last point. Jesus shares with us his peace because we're troubled. And this is really answering the question, what kind of people does this create? What, how does living, having the trying God living within us transform us? Jesus tells us in verse 27. Look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. So Jesus, by going away and dying on the cross, achieves peace for his followers, a peace that is not the same as the peace that the world offers. The world only offers peace, which is achieved through the sword, through um, earning, through power. Jesus offers his peace by dying. The world doesn't offer a peace like Jesus offers. It can't. And it's the first thing that Jesus says to his disciples after uh, he visits them after his resurrection. He says, peace, in chapter 20. He says it three times. Peace be with you. Peace. Jesus delights to give his peace away freely, lavishly. And what is this peace? It's the peace of being in a right relationship with God. No longer running away from him, but having him reside in us. No longer an orphan, but a child. And we need this peace that Jesus gives because we're troubled. And this peace with God completely transforms how we live in our troubled world. As we grasp the enormity of God residing in us through his grace, uh, that gives us an, uns- an unshakable peace. We're loved. We're not alone in the world, ever. On the one hand, we as Christians ought to be the most acutely aware of our need. We don't assume to have all the answers. We're so flawed that Jesus had to die on the cross. But on the other hand, we Christians ought to be the most composed and confident people because we're, no, we're so deeply loved and accepted by the eternal God. We're so loved that Jesus is, is willing to die for us. We have peace in our lives, a peace that can't be taken away. That kind of peace equips us, enables us to face our crisis. God's indwelling of us doesn't remove us from our painful circumstances, doesn't pluck us out from the crisis we're facing, doesn't remove our need. This peace that Jesus gives 
is a rugged confidence that nothing will ultimately overcome us, that God has not abandoned us. Uh, I've been reading a book called uh, More Truth. Uh, the author is Christy Mayer. She's from the UK. I think she really gets uh, at the heart of what we often feel when we're feeling orphaned. She starts with a quote. I don't think he loves me, talking about God. I don't think he loves me. Isn't this what lies, she goes on to say, isn't this what lies at the heart of most of our profound doubts? I don't think he loves me. We tend to wrap our heartache with presentable intellectual packaging. We're afraid, if that, we're afraid that if we admit our need for love, he may not actually want to meet us in those deep, cavernous recesses of our hurting and weary hearts. Yet, he wants to speak tenderly to you and remind you of his goodness, presence and intimacy and loving kindness. You are not left alone. Perhaps he has taken you into a desert so that he can meet you there. That's what we're feeling when we're living like orphans. I don't think he loves me. I don't think God loves me. And yet we can be, as Christians the most at peace people in the world, the most at peace with our lot in life. We can openly share with the world because we're in the family, we're not orphans, we're children, we're, we're passionately loved. We can openly share with the world, yes, my life's a mess, but God is near. Yes, I'm in the midst of crisis, the worst crisis of my life but I'm loved by the eternal God. I'm not alone. I have peace amidst the craziness because uh, the craziness of my life because I'm united to the triune God of grace through Jesus' spirit. When our hearts are troubled, Jesus has a word of peace for us. And when we grasp that as God's people, we become people of peace in a troubled world people of steadiness and confidence. Even when the world around us is crashing down, we have a steady confidence that we're not alone. And for Sharon and I, this is, in the end, what's got us through the, through the last year. Through all the emotional turmoil we've experienced and we, that we've been deeply troubled by, what's gotten us through is knowing that God is nearer than we often realise. He's not distant from the mess. He's in it with us, redeeming us in it, forming us in it, causing us to rely on him amidst the mess. And what else would we really expect? Do we really think that the God who entered the mess of the cross on our behalf would now finally abandon us? He has entered, Jesus has entered the greatest crisis on the cross so that we never have to. That's peace. 
He's ensured that we're never left alone because of his spirit. That's peace. He's invited us into deep, loving fellowship with his father. That's peace. Are you living as an orphan? Do you fear that God has abandoned you in your greatest moment of need? Look at verse 18. We need to hear Jesus' words to us today. No, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not abandon you. Life is not yours to figure out on your own. Your crisis is not yours to deal with alone. I'm sharing with you all that I have to offer. My spirit is your spirit. My father, your father. My place in the family is your place in the family. My peace is your peace. That is exactly what you need and it's enough for you. I'll stop and pray. Our Father, we thank you that you are nearer to us than we often realise. May we live uh, daily as beloved children in your family and not orphans. Amen.